Heavenly Father, as we go to your word, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bless you and we praise you. Thank you for this important subject that we're discussing, Father, about prayer and about intercession travail and about acceleration. Lord, I'm already seeing the acceleration. You're accelerating us in this area of aviation. You're accelerating us in the areas of prayer. Father, I believe you're going to accelerate us financially this year as a church, individually, as individual families. You're accelerating, Lord, with new people joining. Father, everything is on an acceleration mode. But Father, prayer causes the power plant behind acceleration. And we can't just hoop and holler about acceleration if we don't focus on prayer because prayer is the power source that causes the acceleration. So as we get a little bit deeper today, I thank you, Father, that you open up their heart, that light and revelation will come. I thank you for that mighty anointing in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak not as myself, not as Craig Field, but as the oracles of God and under that pastoral office with that mighty anointing to help the people get it and to help me deliver it. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise and everybody said amen. Put up that screen please that we put up at the beginning of the last service. The secret to a successful apostolic ministry full of faith and power using the divine given instruments of travail and compassion will make you irresistible. God said this to brother Kenneth E. Hagan on December the 1st, 1948. That was 75 years ago now. And it took him 35 years before he was comfortable. Think about that. 35 years of silence before he was comfortable to tell people what the secret to ministry success was. People asked him for years, what's your secret? He wouldn't answer them. Finally, God said to him, tell the people what the secret is. And so he started talking about it. And that was, uh, like I said, that was, that was, took him 35 years to share it. Uh, And that was, uh, when did he share that? That was 1983. So how many years ago was that? 40 years. 40 years ago, he shared this. And uh, a lot of people have heard this phrase, this statement, but very few people actually do it. Using the divine given instrument, that's, that's uh, two sides of a, of a blade there. That means God has to give it. We talked about that last week, but you also have to operate in it. God can give it, but if you don't write with the pen he hands you, how's he going to hand you the instrument? You have to present yourself. You have to prepare. You have to sit at your desk, so to speak, and say, I'm ready, Father. How do you do that with travail? You can't travail on your own. You can't intercede on your own. The Holy Ghost has to come on you, but he'll come on you more often if you'll present yourself to him and say, Lord, I'm ready to cooperate with that anointing. Then he'll hand you the divine given instrument, which then you use. If you don't pray and yield to that that intercessory prayer kind of assignment, that anointing that comes on you, then you're not writing with your divine pen. Do you understand? So there's, there's, a, there's a combination factor. Don't just whine to God and say, Lord, why won't you give it to me if you don't present yourself? How do you present yourself? Pastor, how do I do it? You get down and you begin to pray. And, and you don't have to pray in a certain posture or a certain location. That, that, that's up to you. You can stand, you can drive, you can whatever. Just start to pray. But start to pray in tongues, not in English. Travail never comes by praying in English. Are you listening to me? You better answer. I'm going to. I've been with Randy. I'm ornery. I'm just warning you. Prayer, uh, travail, that anointing to pray like that, the deeper kinds of prayer doesn't come because you spend a long time praying in English. Now pray a long time in English if you want, but that's, that, that flow is not going to happen under that kind of praying. This comes because you pray much in the Holy Ghost. You pray much in other tongues. When you pray in other tongues for extended periods and you're open to it and you are hungry for it, if you're not hungry, he won't do that. And you, and you don't have to ask him, but you really should ask him because I say, Holy Ghost, you know, the Bible says that you, do, you can interpret your tongues if you ask him. But it says you have to ask him. So if you never interpret, don't, don't blame God. Did you ask him? Now, this is one of the few times where you can ask for a gift. You can't ask for the gifts. But in this case, when it comes to tongues interpretation, you can ask for that gift. But you can't ask for the other gifts. You can show desire for them. But you can't force them because they come by the Holy Ghost. The more you show desire, the more likely they'll come. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, specifically about tongues and interpretation, you can actually, even though it comes from God, it's a gift of the Spirit called the interpretation of tongues. It's one of the nine. You can actually be bold enough to say, Father, I'm asking you, give me that gift so I can know what I'm speaking in other tongues. And he chooses when he does that. 
You can't make it happen. Don't try to force English words out because you'll mess yourself up and you'll grieve the Holy Ghost because that's the flesh. Just pray and if words bubble up and you can, you'll, you'll get familiar with what that means as you're going. If words and you know you didn't make them in your brain, you know you didn't start it here because it didn't come from here. It feels like it comes up because that's where your spirit man is, is in your belly region. If, if words, English words, can't be bold to speak them out because that's the Holy Ghost giving you that gift so that you can interpret what you're saying in tongues. And you don't always need to interpret, but sometimes you do. Sometimes you're going to know what you're praying so that you can take action. It's, you're going to get revelation, but it may not always come by the interpretation of tongues. Sometimes it come by a dream. Sometimes it come by a scripture verse. Sometimes it come by a word of prophecy. There's different ways God can get over to you what you've been praying in tongues. Because at the end of the day, if you don't know what you're praying, if you don't know what you've prayed out for your mind to catch up with your spirit, you can't physically act out and obey what God wants you to do. So he has to get it over to you, but there's different ways that he can do that. One of them is the interpretation of tongues. But if you would yield yourself, just give yourself to praying, just give yourself to praying. You can't force the travail to come, but if you present yourself and you pray long enough and you get in the spirit, you will find all of a sudden that anointing will come on you. I'm trying to say it in, in ways that people would understand because spiritual things are hard to explain in English. But the way that I know that travail has come, normally I feel it deep, in, deep inside my belly area, but a, what really, a travail or intercessory prayer, it's a great burden that comes upon you. And you, you weren't sad but all of a sudden you feel overcome. You feel there's a sense of heaviness, but not a bad heaviness. It's a Holy Ghost inspired heaviness. There's a sense of, oh, there's a sense of deep. Sometimes it almost feels like grieving, but it's not your spirit man's grieving. It's that there's the grief of God on you. You say, what about, you mean the grief of God? God is saddened by sinners. He's saddened by scenarios. He's saddened by what's happened. He feels for this world. He loves the sinner. Sometimes that grief, that sadness, that sorrow that you feel come on you is what God is feeling and you are temporarily having a sense of what God is feeling because he needs a cooperative partner in the earth realm that has dominion in the earth realm to pray now and to birth out what is in his heart for whatever that situation is. That's why we are co-laborers with God. It's not all him and it's certainly not all us. But when we're talking about the deeper kinds of prayer, you, it will come on you if you will present yourself. Amen. Sit at your desk, have your paper ready, be prepared, not distracted, not washing the dishes. Right. Taylor, sit down, get at your desk, get the paper and say, I am now ready for the pen. Kneel down, pray, start to pray in the Holy Ghost and get in the spirit and say, Father, I am ready for the divine given instrument of travail. And then he will put it on you. And when he puts it on you, don't be surprised if it doesn't feel good because travail doesn't feel good. A woman giving birth is not something that feels good, but if she doesn't do it, the baby won't come into the world. It doesn't feel good to pray this way. It feels good to be used of God, but it doesn't feel physically in your soul and body. It doesn't feel good to intercede. It is hard. It is laborsome. There is effort required. There is a huge burden that he places on you. Your physical body responds to it. It doesn't feel good, but without that effort, the baby can't come into the world. The thing that God is trying to birth into this realm through a cooperating partner who is called a prayer. He needs you. He can't just birth everything by himself. He needs people. John Wesley said, it seems that God can do nothing except men ask him. God is limited because he's in heaven and we're on earth. And he said, I give all dominion and all authority to you. Go therefore, remember Matthew 28, I have all dominion and authority. Now you go therefore. What is he saying? I've got it. I'm giving it to you. I am in heaven. I'm not on the earth. I need somebody that I have delegated power to. That's the church. 
that fills all the earth. Remember the member for Ephesians chapter one, the last verse, his body that fills all in all. Everywhere we go, Jesus goes because we are the body of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. It's right for them to say, Sandra, it's like Jesus gave us a gift because Sandra is Jesus. What? She is? She's the body. And he's the head. And he's in heaven. And she's on earth. And the head is in heaven. And the body is on earth. And the body has been granted the authority of the head. That's why we cast out devils and heal the sick. Because we've been given authority as the body. We are a manifestation of Jesus. That's why he said, when you go preach, Mark Matthew 11, he says, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Study what it means in the Greek. It means the royalty of Christianity has arrived. That's what that means. Who is the royalty of Christianity? Jesus. When I go and preach, I say, Jesus has come to you through me because I'm him. People get upset with that. That's because they're stupid. I am Jesus. I am Jesus's body. You see how people go quiet when you say that? That's because all your minds are renewed. That's because your minds are unrenewed. That's because you don't read your Bible. You're on Netflix and you're on this and that. Read your Bible, study your Bible, pray and study your Bible. You will find out very quickly. You are Jesus. You are him. He died and he went to heaven and then he had a body and he says, you're my body. Wherever you go, I go. That's why I call you Christian, which in the Greek means little Christ. I am a little version of Jesus. I'm not the Jesus that you see how the devil perverts. So Jones, the weirdo, weirdo guy, freak guy in Waco, whatever. I don't know all these crazy people. I don't study them. But that's what cult leaders do. The devil lies to them and says, no, you're the actual Jesus to save people. But that's a perversion of, of there's a measure of truth, but that's a perversion of it. I'm not the Jesus that died 2,000 years ago, but I'm his big toe. I'm his knee. I'm his finger. Do you understand? He is the head and I'm the shoulder. I am Jesus, but not Jesus, Jesus, but Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus, the head needs Craig, Jesus, the body to as a cooperating partner in the earth, because things that he wants to happen don't just happen because he wants them to. That's what people don't understand. Well, if God wants it, it's just going to happen. That shows your ignorance. Lots of things God wants to happen. They don't just happen because he wants them to happen. They happen because a cooperating partner that is part of him does something to allow him to cause it to happen. He does it, but we are, he's the water, but I'm the hose. I got to get the water somewhere. I need a cooperating partner. Give me a hose. I may not hold the life-giving water, but it goes through me. Do you understand? You need the water, but if you can't get the hose, what's the, like, you know what I'm saying? I need the water in that pool. doesn't matter how much I need the water. If I don't have something to transport the water from the source to the pool, I ain't swimming. I am the cooperating partner that transports it. He is the source. You may not like the hose. You may not think the hose is very pretty, but you're not swimming without one. And we may not like, we may not like all the people that God chooses to use because he uses the most imperfect ones, including me. But we ain't swimming in the waters of revival if we don't have cooperating partners to get the water and the power of God from the source and the head through the body, the hose and into the world so it can manifest so we can swim. That's why this is so important. They are divine given instruments, but you must you learn to use them. Well, how? Number one, present yourself. Be prepared. Don't be slack and haphazard. That's a dishonor. Show God that you're ready. Pray. Say, Father, I'm ready. And pray in the Holy Ghost. And if he don't come on you, don't be discouraged. Think he don't love you. It just means at that moment he didn't need you for that reason. But you were still praying things out. And it was not a waste of time. 
but eventually that anointing will come on you and you'll feel it come on you and it will settle on you and there is a sense of uh, heaviness and, 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 a, and a groan and, and you say, well, well, <laughs> I said, Lord, why did I want this? If I'd known it felt like this, I wouldn't have asked for it. Because it doesn't feel good. And the lady's not, you know, drinking her cocktail while she's giving birth. No. Going, eh, this is fun. She's saying to her husband, if you ever touch me again, I'll murder you. She is in great travail to push out what is hidden so it can be seen. We, when we pray, there is a great burden of travail for us to, in the spirit realm, push out the plan of God that's in our spirit, planted by the Holy Ghost. It's a perfect example to a woman with a baby. A seed had to go to create that in the womb, and after time it grows and it has to come. The Holy Ghost plants things in our spirit, the plan of God. And they grow over time, and they have to come forth. And it takes a travailing kind of prayer to bring them forth. And God needs more than just my wife and my brother-in-law and Taylor and Lorraine and, and a half dozen others in here that are very skilled at this. He needs everybody in this church starting now to first of all be able to identify what is intercessory prayer. Because most churches today have no clue. Because they're teaching how to feel good. They're teaching you can run around and sleep with whoever you want and God will understand. That's what they are. A lot of churches today won't even talk about tithing anymore lest they offend someone. Lest they offend someone. (laughs) What a joke. I offend people just by looking at them. We're We're going to say with the word and the word says that we have to talk about finances. And the word says I have to talk about your sex life. But I don't want you to. I don't care what you want. Because you have to be clean before God. And now today, young people don't even know that to have sex outside of the covenant of marriage is even wrong. So somebody has to tell them, and it's not, it's not CNN. In fact, today, people have to know that if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Because the Pope said on CNN that there is no more hell. And the CNN guy said to the, the head bishop guy, he said, I'm so glad you're saying this. He said, because I've always been afraid that there'll be some kind of eternal punishment when I die. But if the Pope said there's not, then I guess I believe it. And boy, if that guy don't get born again, he's going to get a rude awakening when his heart stops. But somebody has to preach it. And by the way, the Pope is demon possessed. I don't know if you know that. Yes, you heard me. I said the Pope is demon possessed. And he is. Yes, because you're stupid and ignorant. I don't mean you. You're all sweet. I mean the people out there. He's demon possessed. That Pope is demon possessed. Not demon oppressed. He is demon possessed. He is passing laws in their canon that is approving homosexuality. That is is saying there is no hell. Do you think the Holy Ghost is authoring that? And the last pope, and you heard, you heard Joe Morris, he is the last pope. There won't be another pope. He's the last one. You heard all the, I'm not going to give all the reasons, but that guy that had the vision back hundreds of years ago, he saw the coat of arms for every pope. 114, this is the 114th pope. That vision ended at 114. He saw the coat of arms of the current pope. He said that will be the last pope before the return of Jesus. This is the last pope, and the last pope has to be demon-possessed because he's going to work with the Antichrist. And they're going to form a one-world religion and a one-world monetary system and a one-world government. He has to be demon-possessed or he can't be the, the one that works with the Antichrist. So just... <laughs> when you're witnessing the Catholics, tell them your leader's demon-possessed. But Jesus can set you free. It's not by praying to the saint or by paying the money that gets you saved. It's by the precious blood of Jesus. I don't know why I'm on this, but somebody watching needed to know that the Pope is demon-possessed. No, I'm serious. And nothing makes people hate you more than touching their sacred cows. But I'm telling you, we're going to speak the truth because people are staying in this stuff because of a man. Their honor is to a man. It's not to the Lord Jesus Christ. They will look away from the Bible to follow what a man says. 
And that's, yeah, that's it's a God back to Jenny. Stop pulling me away, girl. I hold you, I hold you responsible. There'll be, there'll be retribution payments made later. <laughs> yes. I always hope she messes up in service because then I get retribution payments at home. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Relax. Just relax, please. Hallelujah. Lord, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, look to, I heard him. He said, look at the camera and tell them the Pope's demon possessed. So you think I'm going to worry about what some Catholic out there thinks? I won't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. But some people need to be shaken a little bit. They're so asleep. They need somebody to shake them and say, look to Jesus, not to a man leading an organization. Jesus is our source. He is our head, his word. He is the word made flesh. We've got to stay with this holy book. And this holy book tells us how to live sexually, tells us how to live financially, tells us how to live relationally, tells us how to be saved. Everything we need is in this beautiful book, including how to pray. So since we're talking about it, let's turn to the book of Romans. Let's stop. We don't talk about the Pope no more because we love him. We want him to get saved. I'm not sure if he will, but we want him to. And we should pray that he does. We're living in dangerous, dangerous times. Oh, my, 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 my. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said, Randy said to me, he said, now he goes to a good church down there. But he said, even the church I go to. He said, there's not one church. Tulsa is the Mecca of churches. There's 1.4 million people. And they have like six mega churches of over 15,000 people. And here we've got Toronto of 6 million people. And we don't have one mega church. And I said, this is not fair. I said, everybody and their cat, parrot, and budgie seems to come out to church. Why is it that on a 1.4, your church... The church he was talking about, his church, the church he was talking about. No, his church. His church has 17,000 people in it. Billy Joe Daughtery's church. The son is running it. And, 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 uh, and I said, how do you explain that? I said, I'm not a, I'm not a great preacher, but I, I, I mean, I'm not adults either. I'm not a dunce. I said, we got 6 million people. The biggest church in Toronto is 3,000. How do you explain that, Brother Randy? He looked at me and he goes, he said, because in Tulsa, Many people's salvation is church. Meaning they go to church thinking that saves them. Instead of the blood, it's church. (laughs) He said, however, beside that, there are still large amounts of people whose salvation is Jesus. But we are in a religious part of the United States called the Bible Belt. And it is ingrained in them. They want, they are hungry to put local church first. He said, that's why we have so many big churches in such a small city. He said, your city has so many people, but very few are hungry for God. Listen, God said to me once, he said, the way that you preach and the anointing on you, if I put you, I won't say where, but he said to me, he said, if I put you in here, you'd have this many people. He said, if I put you in this country, you'd have that many people. And all of them was many, 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 many times what our congregation is. He said, but I don't want you in those nations. I want you in Toronto. Why? Why? Because of the mantle. He said, I'm looking for a church that is word and spirit to take the mantle of Amy Simple McPherson and have an impact. And he said, I'm not judging you for how small you think your church is because it could be different in a different country. Don't judge the success of a pastor on how big their church is because there's churches that the guy can barely speak in Africa and he has 11,000 people. No, I mean it. He, he, He doesn't even know where the scripture references are. He, he, he can barely communicate, but there's an anointing on him and they flock by the thousands. And then you got others in different parts of the world that have skill, but they're in the hundreds. So you can't judge by numbers. You got to judge by the success is not numbers. The success is, are we obeying what God told us to do? And he has to have somebody. And there's many others in Toronto. We're certainly not the only ones. Somebody to raise the standard of righteousness. In a darkened, homosexual, obsessed city. Raise the standard of righteousness. 
and say, this is what God says. This is what the light says. This is what the word says. We love you, but you must yield to the word of God. We love you, but if you don't obey God, you're going to go to hell. And we're not afraid to tell you that, but we love you and we're trying to help you. Somebody has to say it loud and say it bold. That's why I'm here and I'm not in those other countries. Which, by the way, the ones he told me have nice beaches and they're hot. And I'm here in Canada that has no beaches and it's cold. But I'd rather be in the will of God than be in a place that naturally makes my flesh happy. Are you listening? Don't, don't judge people. Don't judge pastors by the number of people. You judge them by their obedience to the plan of God and their integrity in the word of God. Because it's easy to get lots of people. You just change, you just stop preaching this. They'll flock to you because now there's no commitment. Now there's no consecration. Now there's no, I have to watch how I live. I have to watch what I say. All my money is not my money. 10% belongs to God. I can't just drop my britchers anytime I want. I'm serious. See, this is God's way of living. My job is to tell you God's way of living. Your job is to stay put and take it. And then be happy for it. And then give a big offering to thank God for correcting you. And before you start going, I'm crazy. This is craziness that I'm in a church. What? This is nuts. Before you let your mind kick in, remember, he said it's by the foolishness of preaching, which means part of your brain is going to go, I'm a fool to come to church. It don't make no sense. I'm coming. I'm singing. I'm letting somebody tell me that I need to change and then I have to pay for it. And then on top of that, I have to serve. And then go out with gifts and tell other people that they need to come. See, in your mind, to your flesh, it's crazy. It's foolishness. It is. But that's the way God God decided to do it. He said, I just want you to come and listen to somebody under my anointing tell you how to live. And listen, that person telling you ain't going to be perfect, not even close. But if my anointing is on it and and, and that office is right, and my word is being preached, you just pay attention because it's going to change your life. It is the foolishness of preaching. Praise God. Now, Romans chapter 8, real quick before the time is. Woo! Jesus, God is with us. Hallelujah. Praise God. (laughs) Oh, I love Brother Randy. I love him because he's clean. He's clean as the driven snow, he's clean. He's pure. I stand with him and my spirit's never grieved. And he takes me like a big brother. He really is. I feel like he's like a big brother. And he takes me under his wing and says, I want to talk to you about something. And he talks to me. Sometimes he corrected me. He corrected me twice this week. But I told him, I said, anytime you want to correct me, I'm here because I need, I need all the help I can get. And I humbled myself to receive his correction. But the rest of the time he took me and said, I want to tell you something. And he tells me things about the local churches and about the ministry and about things with other pastors and about stuff that I don't repeat. But there's things that Dad, Dad Dufresne would call things that pertain to the spirit. He would help me understand the inner workings, why things go wrong, why things go right. What's going on in the spirit realm? What's, where's America at right now? What is, what, what, I'm telling you. Just, just, I'm not there to train, but I squeeze every drop out of that lemon I can. And the first thing he said to me when I got there, he says, we're not here to socialize. We're here for you to train. I said, yes, sir. But then about five minutes later, I got to socializing. (laughs) And I said, don't look now, Randy, but we're socializing. Because he said, I want to tell you something God's doing. And he just start to talk to me about things of the Holy Ghost. You see, when you're around people that whose spirit is alive, even though they have a mission and they have a job, you can't help it. It spills out. It's spilling out out of his spirit. And I'm just there with my thing. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God for people, prophets that are clean and pure and strong and won't compromise doctrine. Oh, I love him so much. He is just a precious. His feet to me are so precious. Hallelujah. I just might kiss him when he comes. I might kiss those feet when when those feet come. I don't know. Taylor, if I kiss, you better kiss mine. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. I just washed him this morning. This would be a good time to do it. 
I'm just a kidding. <laughs> Praise God. Remember, we had a Holy Ghost service with Pastor Nancy once. Do you remember? The Holy Ghost fell on her. And she went over to Dr. Dufresne. And she knelt down. Remember that? No. Yes, she did. She knelt down. And she, she did. She, was, she ministered to him on his, on his feet. She said, you're the gospel. You've brought the gospel. Wow. And she kissed his feet. She said, you're the gospel. So precious your feet because you brought the message to us. Now, that's a holy thing. I'm not like the Mennonites at every other service, a foot washing service. Now, I'm not talking about anything bad about nobody, but I'm just saying some people, their whole thing is about foot washing. If you can't wash the feet, then you're off. Listen, nobody touching my feet, don't even think about it. I don't want no foot washing. And I know that's not, that's not, just because Jesus that washed their feet doesn't make it a doctrine. You can wash your husband's feet. He can wash your feet, but that's about it. We don't want all these weird foot washing stuff. But I'm just saying sometimes the Holy Ghost will come. And there'll be a divine supernatural moment where what you're doing is you're honoring the feet that brought the message. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Taylor. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, Romans 8. Romans 8, 26. I'm back on track, Lord. You don't have to. No lightning today. I don't have to be struck. I'm back on track. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, you don't know how to fully pray out everything you need. But the Holy Ghost within you will make intercession. And there will be groanings. Notice it says that. With, that cannot be uttered. Now, some different translations. Dr. P.C. Nelson, a Greek scholar that Dead Hagen highly respected, said the actual Greek says, with groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. The Amplified Classic says unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. The message says wordless sighs and aching groans. The Berean says inexpressible groanings. The NASB says groanings too deep for words. The Weymouth says yearnings that can find no words. And the Phillips says agonizing longings which can never find words. See, when that Holy Ghost comes on you, forget praying in English. In fact, forget even being able to pray in tongues. It can get so strong. Like I said, there's levels of intercessory prayer. It's not just one level. There's shallow and there's deep. The travail is the deepest part. But there's different levels. But that yearning, that groaning, it can come on you where don't get afraid of that. Don't feel like you're weird. Don't feel like you're missing something, that you're strange. It's the Holy Ghost. You've got scripture for it. The Holy Ghost inside you is trying to birth something in your spirit out into the natural realm. The plan of God that's in you for whatever the situation it is that you're praying for. He wants to birth that out. And just like a woman groans in travail, there is a groaning and a sighing and an agonizing longing. And you can't express it. And it's just a... And there's a praying like that. I'm hesitant to talk about it because I know people that have never heard of this will think that we're crazy. But you've got to listen. If we're going to see a move of God, if we're going to see revival, we cannot hold back on the deeper things of spirituality because some might not understand. Your job, if you don't understand, is to get into the lane of understanding. Get out of the lane of ignorance and say, I humble myself. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry. Just keep listening. It will become clear. It will become clear. Learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost, just normal tongues. And over time, as God trusts you and as you present yourself before him and cooperate with him and agree with him, all of a sudden that divine given instrument will be handed to you for you to use. That anointing will come on you. That's him handing you the pen. Now you use it by yielding to it and praying it out. And when you pray, it doesn't always feel good, but it is. Its outcome is better than good. It doesn't feel nice because you're birthing something like a lady in travail, but that's okay because we've got to get certain things in our spirit out. We've got to pray them out. Now, listen, I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about for the church, the church budget, all the things that we need. You can intercede for the church, but I'll use you as an example, Greg, because your daughters are holy women of God and they are, but let's just say that one of them decided to go to start going a different direction. And I don't believe that'll ever happen. But let's just say that did. You see, now there's a couple. They can not just pray in English over their daughter. But they can say, now, Father, concerning the direction my daughter's going. 
I pray out the plan of God for her. And I ask you, if, Lord, if you'll allow me, let me, because there's a plan for her life. It's in my spirit. Now, Lord, I'm doing it on her behalf because I'm her parent. I have a right to do that. I'm protecting her. I'm a right to do that. You could also do it for your spouse. I'm protecting them. They're my, the, the Bible says even more than your child, your spouse is your, you actually own their body. Like they're yours and you're theirs. Lord, I can do this for my spouse. I can do this for my child. Now, Lord, concerning that thing, I begin to pray now on the Holy Ghost. Father, I can't make you give me this divine given instrument, but I'm willing and open that if you would allow me and trust me, I will pray and birth out the plan for their life that's in my spirit to protect them from harm, from demons. I will birth it out for them as their parent. But you've got to put that anointing on me to pray. For I don't know how to pray as I ought. But the Holy Ghost will give intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. And you begin to pray. And then all of a sudden, there it comes. And you start to groan and you start to sigh and you start to pray with deeper prayer. And all the while, while you're physically and it's hard on you, but you're smiling. Because you're saying... I am using the tank buster right now, not the 45 Magnum. I am using the greatest weapon in my arsenal called intercessory prayer that Wigglesworth said can unlock any safe in the world. No matter how impossible the situation is to gain access to, intercession will unlock it for you. No matter how rebellious people are, no matter how many demons they've got, no matter how impossible it seems, intercession will find a way intercession will find a way and you yield and you're smiling inside because you're saying, Lord, the plan of God is being birthed for that child. That child thinks they've got a choice and I know by free will, technically they do, but Lord, I'm birthing a plan for them and they will not stray from that plan and their eyes and gaze will be turned to that plan and angels are working with them for that plan and I am the cooperating agent. I will pray that they stay on the plan. Use me to birth it for them, Father. And that's how you change your children's destiny. Make your confession. Remember, it's not and, it's not if or. It's and. It's and. <laughs> Say your confession, but add something stronger to it. Intercessory prayer will turn any situation. Listen to me. I'm trying to give you hope. Intercessory prayer will turn any sickness. Intercessory prayer will turn any marriage problem. Intercessory prayer will turn any rebellious teenager, any rebellious, any age person. Intercessory prayer can birth a revival. Intercessory prayer can birth souls. Intercessory prayer changes things. And, and, and I've done it for years. And some people that are more mature in this church have done it for years. But there's so many that have no clue what we're talking about. And God said to me, and I'm not going to just preach this all year. I'm going to talk about other things. To be a pastor, you're going to be well balanced. But God already said to me, he said, in the Bethel year. He said, I want you to sprinkle. Now, you know what sprinkle means when you sprinkle salt? Not every surface of the food gets the salt. But you're sprinkling it because it's going to be on on an overall general basis. Do you understand? He said, sprinkle the year with teaching on intercessory prayer. Because at the end of this year, this congregation has to come up higher. He said, Bethel is a year to come up higher. We are coming up higher because for what's coming in 24, 25, 26, and then really 27 is the, the big deal. What's coming is going to require not just me and six other people praying. It's going to require 300 people praying. It's going to require much prayer, much prayer being made. And not just prayer like people pray and it's kind of useless. Praying skillfully is different to praying. Learning the things of the spirit realm is different to just spouting off a prayer you read in a book. We need people to become skillful prayer warriors in this church to understand what intercession is, how to get into it, how to yield to it, how the devil attacks you because you do it, which I won't get into because if I do, then nobody will do it. But there is a special place in hell for the intercessor. Do you know what I mean by that? There's a special place in the hordes of hell and their leadership where they conjure attacks and they plan strategies against intercessors. Because the devil knows if you just keep on going the way you keep on going, life and the church will keep on going the way it keeps on going. But you get a church that knows how to pray. 
it can threaten the entire structure of the devil's kingdom in that city in that family in whether you're doing it individually or corporately but it can threaten the entire strategy of hell against that family and against that city and against that nation so they they hate intercessors and they hate teaching about intercessory prayer because intercessory prayer is the key to success Kenneth Hagin, the platinum standard, the forerunner of the, of, the, of the second coming, said the key to success, full of faith and the anointing, power. And what? Not just faith and the anointing. You've got to have intercessory travailing prayer and you've got to have compassion. And if you don't have both of these things working together, you will not be irresistible and you will not have full success. So we're starting to talk about it, and I'm sprinkling all the way through. Not, it's not going to be one long series. I'm sprinkling it all the way through. Why am I doing it now? Well, because it's the beginning of the year, but also Ramos is coming next week. Ramos, you're going to watch him pray. Ramos, more than any other person I know, including myself, has an ability and a skill because he's learned over decades how to get in and how to travail. And you're going to watch when he gets, when that, it's like you pull that cord and that engine starts and just give it a few minutes until that starts to rev by the Holy Ghost and watch him step into travailing prayer. I'm talking about it because you're going to get a living example on Saturday night. Now, some of you too carnal to come Saturday night, but I'm asking you to put your carnality aside and to be spiritual and as many people, if not more than are here this morning to be here at 730 Saturday night, because you will learn something on that evening that you will otherwise miss. Don't just look at church as preaching. There is other ways you can learn other than preaching, observing somebody skillfully work their craft for lack of a better way to say work that anointing work that area that assignment you can learn more by watching somebody even than than preaching about it you know taylor you you learn a lot by teaching but you learn a lot by watching pastor nancy said when she'd pray with dad hagan he'd say close your eyes and pray she said i i I disobeyed pastor craig and she said and i'm not repenting for it because i wasn't wrong because i learned so much by watching him i'm going to pray too but i want to watch him what everything from his posture how long how does he handle things and you can learn things just by watching people and so i'm sprinkling i'm not you know i can't get into every depth and detail every sermon but i'm sprinkling today we're to talk about the pope okay i've got other things on the agenda you know the holy ghost wants me to say other things i'm telling you you think i'm you think i'm joking about that i'm not joking about that there's somebody watching that needed to hear that i know him when he says look at the camera and say something I'm not going to go home and get whooped, go, go behind the shack. You know what they call it? You go behind the, what do you call it? The wood shack. Yes. Have you ever had a wood shack experience? That's when you go behind and you get a hiding because you disobeyed God. I'm tired of hidings. I've had many of them. Many, many hidings from the Holy Ghost. I got two hidings from my elder brother this week. Hallelujah. But I'm grateful for the hiding because the Lord corrects those he loves. He must love me more than any other human being on earth. <laughs> Jesse says Jesus loves Jesse, but Jesse's never been hided as much as I have. He loves me the most and I've got the scars to prove it. <laughs> but I'm going to be right. I'm going to live clean. I'm gonna, we're going to lead this church into a revival. We can't get everything in one service. Thank God I'm not a guest speaker. You can come back. We can pick this back up another time. But Romans 8, 26 can change any situation, any situation. If you're facing something until the next time I continue, because there's a lot more for me to share with you and you'll learn every time you come. But between now and then, which will be not this Sunday, but next Sunday, if you're facing a situation, just start. Just say, Lord, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I can't make you give it to me, but I'm ready for it. Because this situation that I'm facing, Lord, I need this to turn. And it's not turning. And I need help. And I'm starting to feel desperate. But I don't have to be afraid. Because you told me, don't be anxious for anything. Because you've given me a weapon that can overcome the situation. So I begin to pray now. And that anointing comes and then you begin to groan. And you begin to intercede. And while it may feel hard, smile. Because what you're doing is you're changing that situation. You are birthing the answer to that situation. And I promise you, you'll see the natural thing will start to turn. And some things require more than one set of, inter- oh, yeah. more than one sitting of intercession. Yeah. Depending on how big it is, you can do it in parts. Yeah. 
You can't always move the whole thing in one setting. And your body actually can't take intercession for very long. The longest I've ever gone is almost an hour. And I mean deep intercession. I physically couldn't take it anymore. I was pleading with God, my stomach, my body, the pressure that you're under when you pray like that is intense. And the Lord lifted that anointing off me and I came out of it. And he said, but you're not done. You see, you took a big bite of that steak, but that stem of the steak's still there. And I came back the next day when I was, and I went right back. That anointing came up. I went right back in. I'm taking another chunk of that steak. And I'm going to keep doing that until that whole thing moves. Are you with me? I'm giving you some deep stuff. You should be grateful that you go to a church that teaches this. Because a lot of churches don't teach this. A lot of pastors don't even understand this. Last year, the average pastor of 10,000 pastors, they prayed less than two minutes a week. Last year. The average pastor prayed less than two minutes per week in an anonymous study. So, pastors, you can't look to the average pastor for spiritual leadership because they just want to play golf and, and, then, and build a big church with all their systems and processes. And they want everything run like a, like a business and like a machine. And they want everything organized to death. Like John Lake says, you can organize the Holy Ghost out of a work. Now we need organization, but not where we organize him out. And I want to say this about this Ashbury thing. Because I know some of you even went down. So a couple went down and other people have been talking about it. Listen to me. First of all, here's an exact example as I close. It's an exact example of an, of an organization organizing the Holy Ghost out. Because the president made an announcement two days ago. That because the academics were suffering in the university, the board has decided to end the prayer meetings. They're stopping. Today's the last day. Unless they've made some kind of an adjustment since Friday. But they decided that we love God and we love all the stuff. But the studies are suffering, the, the, you know, the, the teaching side of it. And so this is a university, not a church. And our job is to make sure that you study and get your proper education so they've ended the prayer meetings. They put a stop to them. The worship, the, the whole thing, the worship meetings, whatever they were doing. Now there's an example of men organizing the Holy Ghost out. Because when God starts to show up, uh, I don't care what denomination it is, a few of the fire don't, don't put a blanket over the fire. They can always do studies later. But you can't always get the Holy Ghost to show up anytime you want him to. I'm just saying there's an example, right? We don't want to be so organized that we're more concerned about how things are processed than we are about if God is there or not. So we've got to be careful that we have the balance of organization, but also the anointing. And by the way, I talked to Randy at length about that thing because, you know, God speaks to him about things like that. And he, he told me, I'm just going to be bold and say it because, you know, because he told me, he told me what it was. Now he said, no, we, we, we're, we're grateful. We want people to have that. But he looked at me and he said, but Pastor Craig, you know as well as I do, that's not a revival. And I said, I know it in my spirit, but I wasn't going to say it. He said, that's not a revival. That's got nothing to do with revival. He said, that's a group of religious people seeking God. And he said, because they started, I remember it started with the young man standing up in the chapel service and saying, I have committed sin. I have been wrong. And he started confessing his sins. And then somebody else got up and did the same thing. The Holy Ghost fell on them. So when you repent, when there's mass repentance, which there was, and people are waiting on God for extended periods of time, which they were, and then they're worshiping God, listen, God's going to show up and, and praise God for it. But don't call it revival because it's not. So you've got to get skillful about what is revival and what isn't revival. That's not revival. That's a group of people which are Methodists, by the way. Some of them aren't even born again. They're Methodists. Not of them, all of them are even born again. But that is God coming in manifested presence in a religious, Methodist is considered religious, uh, academic setting, not just because he, he sovereignly chose to. God, that's not fair. Those God have to do it everywhere. Because they began to seek him. Mass repentance. Mass waiting on God for lengths of time and mass worship. And God just said, I'm pleased with you. And he put his presence there. That's not revival. Revival, according to scripture, is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5 is an example of revival. Notice what they did in Acts 4. They had 
extended prayer meetings. In Acts 5, they got what they prayed for. Revival always carries with it judgment. There's judgment on the church when there's revival. Revival always carries with it tremendous signs, wonders, and miracles. If there's not signs, wonders, and miracles, it's not a revival. And there have been none recorded in Ashbury. And there's, it's, there's judgment on the church, and there's God will judge sin. If you repent, he won't judge you, but if you don't repent, he will. There is great signs, wonders, and miracles. And there's always, the third thing, there's many things, but I'm giving you the top three. There's always many people that get born again. There's been nobody got born again in Ashbury. So there is no, there has been a measure of repentance which has caused God to show up. But there haven't been signs, wonders, and miracles and salvations. And you can't have revival according to scripture without those things present. Are you listening? So I don't care what your thing on the internet says. Don't get all hyper about every little thing you hear. If you're not sure, call the church, ask Reverend Taylor, he'll answer it for you. And sometimes we address it publicly and sometimes we don't. But I just heard the Holy Ghost prompt and say, just, just, just say that. Just say that. You don't have to run off because you're missing something. Oh, they're having a revival. No, they're not having a revival. I want them to. And if it turns into a revival, I'll be the first one to say, praise God, it's a revival. But you can judge it by scripture, not by emotionalism. Not by numbers of crowds. Not by being too mild waiting to get in. That does not signify revival. Are you with me? You've got to understand how this works. And you don't have to run off over there. You can, you, can, you can if you want. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to. But don't miss what God's doing here because you're running off over there. But why don't you start to do what I preached? Why don't you start praying at home, getting in that flow, and saying, Father, we want an outpouring of God at Promise of Life Church. Father, I repent for what I've, things I've, why don't you start with that? Why don't you get your, yourself clean? Why don't you start praying and birthing things out? Why don't you show up? You want a revival so bad? Show up Saturday night. Everybody wants revival, but nobody wants to pay the price for it. It pays the price at prayer time, at, at, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, whenever you pray, that's a price. If you really want it, you'll pay that. If you really want it, you'll come to when the anointed men of God are behind this pulpit. Yes, why should God pour out of his spirit if we're so lazy we can't even come to a guest minister? We don't deserve God to pour out of his spirit if we can't even honor the gifts that are amongst us. Are you with me? We're going to have to move of God. But it's going to take a little bit of time. And we're getting skillful. We're getting skillful now, Jenny. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we got the plane. So I can go quick in and out like a little rabbit. And be back here for Sunday morning. That's why we have it. I'm telling you, that's why we have it. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. I was sitting there on the plane and in front of me, there's a boy with a demon. And behind me, there's a girl with a demon. And the Holy Ghost said that. He told me, <laughs> I turned back and, and she's staring at me and she's got a devil and he's got a devil. And I just said, Lord, I'm sandwich. I'm the meat and they're the, they're the bread. I bind those things up. They can't operate in my presence. Nothing wrong with that. We're living in the world. You can't be afraid of that kind of stuff. But I'm just grateful that I don't have to do that for very much longer. I don't have to sit beside demon people on the plane. And the second ending. This is the last ending. But when I, he was saying, I want you to start flying business class. And I said, no, it's a waste of the church's money. And he said, is it your church or my church? I said, well, it's your church, but it's still a waste. And he says, preserving your body is not a waste. And then he made me read Wigglesworth. And Wigglesworth said, I go first class anywhere, everywhere. And if God can't pay the first class, I'll quit preaching. Because I'm not going to destroy my body going economy class. That's what Wigglesworth said. Wigglesworth. Smigglesworth. Wiggles, Smigglesy. That's what Smigglesy said. And God showed me that. And he said, don't you argue with me. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. Your church donate to pay for it. I'll pay for it. I want to preserve your body. And I said, no. And I got on that thing to California. And beside me was a homosexual having open lip kissing with his partner across the aisle. And you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. Beside me, I was in the middle. Beside me by the window was a person. They must have been a pot dealer or a pot. This is before pot was legal. I mean, I got high just sitting beside them. 
it was emanating from them like a, like a, like a demonic glory. I mean, he reeked of it. The guy behind me, I'm not exaggerating, was 6'9". And he couldn't fit in the seat. And his knees were up just to put his belt on. His knees were in my back. I couldn't put my seat back and I was like this. I've got, the, I've got the person there who is kissing. I've got the one there who's getting me high. I've got the giraffe behind me. And I'm sitting like this. And I've got a lady in front of me who put her seat way back and her hair over the back of the seat. And she was one of these ladies. Everything was funny to her. And everything that happened, she went, <laughs> but she did it the whole flight. I was a passenger on the USS Hell. And I, I, I was really upset, actually. I started getting really upset. And I said, Lord. And the Lord said, don't you say a word to me. He said, I told you to go business. And you won't listen because you're cheap. And I said, Lord, with this one, the pot dealer, the giraffe, and the weird flaco. I said, this is the last time. <laughs> but then... Yesterday I'm in business and there's two demons flanking me. And I thought, well, Lord, even in business class, sometimes there's demons everywhere you look. And the Lord said, don't you worry about it. You're going to be in a prayer room in the sky. Now, listen, I'm not against, listen, I've been flying commercial and I still will. My little plane can't go to Philippines and Africa. I'm going to have to fly commercial for years. And I understand that. I accept that. I'm just saying God is blessing us so that I can, I, I, I'm graduating out from a certain realm into another realm where I can put on Dad Hagen and worship music and just fly that plane to my next appointment. Hallelujah. So thank you for helping me. Listen, we got to get out of cheapskate mindsets. Nobody wants to be a penny pincher like me. I mean, I wear the hair off that queen's head. I rub that dollar so much. I wear her. She's bald. That queen's bald. You just don't know it because I've been rubbing her hair off. <laughs> but, but, but Jesus said to me, now stop rubbing her hair. And you give that away. And you trust me. Yes. I'm going to increase you. Yes. More and more. I'm going to increase you. Yes. I'm saying this for somebody, Jennifer. It's yes, not just to get them to laugh. Amen. Sometimes sugar helps the medicine yes, go down. Yeah. I'm saying this because some of you are cheap. Yes. Some of you are real cheap. You're rubbing that queen's hair right off. She's a bald queen. I'm telling you. Please stop rubbing that so bad. You got to start to expand your thinking. You got to start to trust him. And it was so hard for me because I'm, I'm such a stickler. I don't want to waste people's money. This is your money and tithes and offerings that I'm using some of it to travel. I'm very cognizant of what I spend. I'm very, very frugal because it's, your, it's the people's money. It's not my money. It's not my money. It's God's money. But God started dealing with me and said, that's right. It's my money. And if you don't, and I fought with him, Taylor, until he said, just do it the one time. And if I don't pay for it separate from the church budget, you never have to go back to it again. And I did it. And a man walked up and he handed me a check. He said, God told me to give this to you. I don't know what it is, but it's something about your travel. And it was to the exact dollar of what the difference from economy to business was. And it was from outside the church. It had nothing to do with our budget or the people in the church. God paid for it separately. And he said, it's my money and you're my servant and your body is my body and I don't want you to burn out too quick. So why don't you just trust me and I will supply the need. And he's done it every day. So, so whoever this is for, trust God. Trust God. Some of you, you need to reach your faith out for a car instead of driving the bus. Some of you need to reach your faith out to get your license. Some of you, you need to increase your beauty salon time. And not because you're ugly, because you're beautiful, but because God wants you to release your faith and just pamper yourself a little bit more. But I don't have the money. Ask God for it. Father, I need this. This is something for my benefit. Lord, you're my supply. I don't want to think cheap. I don't want the queen to be bald. No more. Lord, bless me. And you watch, he'll bless you. If you, you got to say something, you better come up because I can't see that Randy anointing's on me and I can't turn it off. My God, I, I'm trying. Disconnect me, Jennifer. Come. Yes, disconnect me. I need to stop this. I keep going all afternoon otherwise. Well, I just, Hallelujah. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. I keep hearing a lyric come up from the sermon. So, Father, here we go. 
in weepings and groanings in travail and yearnings I'll put my spirit upon you that you would know the walk of the spirit the call to war stepping in victory it's what I made you for so lift up a shout and lift up your prayers for I am there I am there in weepings and groanings I'll take you in to a realm of the spirit where you'll know my power and you'll walk in my plans and you'll walk in my power go go in in weepings and groanings hallelujah Oh, we thank you, Holy Ghost, for the gift of prophecy by song. Father, we enter in this week with weepings and groanings, with that anointing to intercede and travail. Oh, with that Romans 8.26 kind of praying. We thank you. That's, where, that's, that's the storehouse of your power. That's where we're going to see things turn and change. That's where things are going to get unlocked for us, individually and corporately. I give you praise for it. Oh, Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Everybody said.